You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. Where's all the ladies at that attended the conference this weekend? Come on, give it up. It's pretty good. Pretty. Hey, give it up for our, our leaders that were there, all our volunteers, Pastor Faith, our guest speakers, all the guys too. I've seen a bunch of guys there on the worship team, a bunch of guys serving coffee. Uh, I've seen, it was really cool was I, as I was there some of the time, I've seen, you know, some of the guys too just, uh, just really getting touched um, by the Lord from the ladies speaking and um, just tears in their eyes, and it, it's just beautiful. Um, how many of you know that like women can minister to men? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> and it turns out we all need moms. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> how, many, how many of you? Come on, all the men in the room. We need moms, do we not? Um, you know, our sons need moms just as much as they need dads, and it's just beautiful to be able to see from from moms in the faith and mothers in the faith. Beautiful, beautiful. So. Um, I just want to start out by saying that there must be sin in a lot of your lives because the Cowboys lost last week, including mine, apparently. <laughs> I had a good friend of mine text me that day and say, there must be sin in your life. That's why God's not hearing your prayers for them. So it was a rough, rough day for us fans out there. So anyways, um, man, and so I've been wanting to share something in my heart for quite a while. I just didn't really know when that I was going to bring it up. And today is the day. I feel like the Lord just released me to, to give this word to us today. Um, so it's just going to be a good day. It's 1134. Praise God. We got plenty of time, don't we? Got till, what, what time is the first game? Like 315? You know what I mean? You guys are good to go. We'll go through the game. None of the teams matter anyways that are still left, so it doesn't matter at all, especially the 49ers. What a terrible joke of a team. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Um, so you can laugh a little bit, amen? Um, so anyways, um, we'll be planning, so some of, a lot of our men are like, what do we gotta do something for our men? Come on, where's our men at? Now I'm gonna remember this, there's one of you. <laughs> How many of you men are going to show up to our men's conference? Raise your hand. Come on now. There's about 11 of you right now. At least I'll be honest. Some of you are like, I ain't going to lie to you now, Pastor. We're in church. I'm not coming. That's fine, but we are going to do something for our men coming up. We'll plan something probably before summer, start in the beginning of summer. Amen. Actually, I tried to reach out to uh, a guy to come, but uh, he was busy this whole year. So we'll probably just do something ourselves. All right. But I tell you what, though, our women are, are hungry. And, um, um, yeah, there's just more. Amen. You know, I was thinking too, uh, before I get started, we're good at this around here. 
I'll chase this rabbit for one second. Um, don't, let, don't let the conference just be your spiritual high. It's, it, now, I'm all for spiritual highs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of them people. I, I, was, we, I was looking at church camps recently and looking at different ones, and I was looking at some things, and it said on there, we, do, we don't want this to be our spiritual high. And I thought, but, but why? <laughs> it's, just, it's all about the Bible. Yes, it can be all about the Bible and be a spiritual encounter. Amen? And so I want something to mark us, but don't let the Renew Conference just mark you. And, but now you've got to do the hard thing, right? You've got to go home into the same marriage that you've been in that you might not be happy with, and you gotta start to do the hard things. Amen? You gotta go back to the same wild kids, maybe, and start to do the hard things. And so I just wanna encourage you to take what you got, take that impartation, and let that change every aspect of your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um, at the Father's House, we're a healthy home for the city, and what we mean by that is we just wanna be a safe place where people come to grow up into maturity in Christ. Uh, is it, if, if it's your first time here, would you raise your hand? We just want to welcome you. Anybody, first Sunday at our church. We see a few. We got two over here, two over here. Come on, give it up for them. One back here. Awesome. We welcome you guys. Anybody online? Um, I was talking to, <laughs> I introduced myself to a young lady this morning that's visiting, and she said, I, I remember you. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> She's smiling right now. And I was like, because there's only Carter, if I go out in public with Carter, I'll see people I know all the time, and Carter will be able to get like, how do you know them? You know, is it from, you know, is it from your old life, or is it from this life? You know, like there's, it's one or the other. Um, but a lot of you didn't know the old Mike Cisnettos, which is probably for the best. Um, but some of you did, so it was just kind of funny when people were like, oh, I know, I remember you. And I was like, oh, Lord, don't tell any stories. So... Anyways, it's good to have you guys if you're new. Welcome here. Uh, we say, hey, give the church, if you're looking for a home church, give the church three tries. Uh, and if it's not for you, go somewhere else, give that church three tries. And, but we just pray that you'd be where God has you and wants you to be, amen? Um, we have a, a vision and a place that we're going towards health and different things here. And we just, if we're the church for you, we pray that God just, just plants you here if that's what he says, amen? We just want you to be where God wants you to be. That's simple. So, um, I want to speak this morning on something that uh, I'm learning, and I'm, apparently I'm learning the very hard way. Anybody else? How many of you learn the hard way, it seems like? How many of you are pretty hard-headed? Thank you, Donnie. Appreciate that honesty. Anybody else, Joel? Okay, guys, come on, some of you ladies too. We have a habit of learning things the hard way. Um, it's not my goal to learn things the hard way by any means, but it seems like um, sometimes I can just be pretty stubborn. So I want to talk about learning to be empathetic and having compassion, not just with each other in the body of Christ, but on people around us in the world. Amen. How many of you know that God doesn't want us to look at sinners and lost people and broken people and be disgusted? He doesn't want you just on the side of the road with a picket that says God hates you. That's not his heart. And if your heart is at this place of disgust with people, it's not the heart of the Lord. And it doesn't mean we condone and accept the behaviors of people, but we have to learn to keep a heart of compassion and empathy for broken people. Jesus has said when he saw the crowds and he saw that they did not have a shepherd, he had compassion. He wasn't like, oh, they're terrible, nasty people. They really need to change. He said he had compassion. 
So I believe God is calling us as a church body. One of our core values is family. In order to become family, we have to learn how to have empathy, how to empathize, and how to have uh, compassion for one another. And to be, to be a church, we're like, hey, we're with you. We, we're, we wanna walk with you. We, we want, wherever you're at, we wanna walk with you. But here's the good part as well. We wanna walk with you towards maturity. Like we don't just wanna walk with you and stay in your, that place. We wanna walk with you and grow up in the Lord. But we want you to know that we, we, that we wanna feel what you're feeling. We wanna feel what you're feeling. If you can put that QR code if we even have it, you can take my notes. I don't do this all the time, but if you wanna find them, you can get them there. So somebody say empathy. Look at your neighbor and say empathy. <laughs> Come on, it's quiet in here. Look at your neighbor and say empathy. Come on, somebody. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Surely it's following us even this morning. Father, I just ask you just to fill me afresh and anew with your Holy Spirit, God, that I would just speak, Lord, what you would have me to speak, God, that you would use me this morning as a vessel for your glory. Father, I pray for people in this room that are just struggling, struggling to believe, struggling to hear, struggling in any way, God, or those who are even come in just as a formula to check a box, God, I pray that you would break into hearts this morning, give people ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's do something like this. Put your hands out in front of you and say, Jesus, I receive anything that's from you. And if it's not from you, I don't receive it. That's pretty good. So empathy, according to Google, is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. The ability not just to understand, but to share the feelings of others. How many of you know for us married folk, we're trying to learn. I promise you this, as parents, everyone, God is trying to teach us to be empathetic. He's trying to get us to not just tell people the right answer. I'm like, I'm a fixer. I like to get things done. I like things to change. I like things to move. I'm a mover. I want things to move. I want them to change now. Hey, here's the answer. But how many of you know, a lot of people, at times, they don't just need the answer. They need you to understand. They need, you, they need a hug. They need you just to cry with them at times. They need you just to be silent at times, just to hold them at times. And yes, we can get to an answer. So some of you are naturally empathetic. I don't know if some of you know, uh, like my wife's naturally empathetic. Lauren's naturally empathetic. Some of you all are naturally empathetic. Um, you know, you just talk to somebody and you just immediately feel like they really care. You know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, never mind. I was going to pick on somebody. <laughs> but then there's some of us that it does not come natural by any means. You're more of a doer, you're a, a high achiever, maybe you're a son of a perfectionist, you're like, hey, things just need to go, I'm over a drill sergeant, and empathy is not necessarily something that comes natural to you. But it is something that God wants you to grow in. And for too long, we take these spiritual tests at church, they're like, oh, I, got, I, I, I scored really high in mercy, so I need to be on the prayer team. And then you're like, oh, I scored really low in mercy, so I'm a jerk. And that's how God made me, it's not my gift. Hospitality is not my gift, so I'm not hospitable. No, you need to grow in these things. Anything that's a character, characteristic in the nature of God is something that you need to grow up into. And empathy and compassion are probably some of the most, uh, compassion especially is one of the most um, prominent characteristics of our God. And it should be something that marks the church and marks my life and marks all of us. And, and 
And to be honest, there's been times where I'm like, oh, okay. You know, empathy is just like a feminine thing. Right? <laughs> like, that's just for the ladies. The ladies are compassionate. They're empathetic. And us men, you know, people, guys, you know, they need tough love. No, they need compassion and empathy. My kids don't need tough love. They need a compassionate, empathetic father who also knows how to discipline. They don't just need a pushover either. Being empathetic and being compassionate was not being a pushover. Jesus was empathetic and he was compassionate, but at times he would say, woe to you hypocrites, you brood of vipers. He was not a pushover. He looked at Pontius Pilate when he said, I have authority to release you or to crucify you. And Jesus looks at him and says, the only authority you have has been given to you from my father. He was not a pushover, but he, was, he would meet broken people constantly. The woman caught in adultery and Mary Magdalene, the Bible says the one who he cast seven demons out of, he met them with compassion and with empathy. And man, to be honest, I thought, man, Lauren's here now. We can probably get her on staff, and she can be the one that empathizes with everyone. <laughs> That's why God brought her here. God's brought her here to, so she can be the people, the, the one that you know that she cares. And then God's like, no, no, no. I, I brought her here so you can learn from her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dang. So you could learn from your wife. Not that you could just say, oh, Maddie's that way. It's like, no, you can learn so you can become that way. As pastors, especially as leaders, as the body of Christ, if you're a born-again Christian, God is calling you to compassion and empathy towards lost, broken, hurting people. He said, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick. And we have to learn how to care. Look at your neighbor and say, I care. So I'll just be transparent. One of the biggest things that I've struggled with in my, our marriage is Maddie feeling like I don't care. And the reason she says that is because it feels like, because I'll just be honest with you, it's because I just haven't understood why she feels the way she feels. And I just couldn't get it through my mind. Like, why do you feel that way? We get in the, we get in the stupidest fights. Anybody else get upset and then you don't like music to be loud? I mean, and they're just mad. You don't even know why you're mad. It's like when you're a kid, they're hungry, but you don't want them to eat certain thing, and then they're like, no, I'm not eating anything. You know, it's like, well, the music's too loud, now I'm mad. Turn the music down. It's just like, what is even going on right now? And what's really happening is this opportunity for me to learn to be empathetic instead of thinking, you're ridiculous. That is the stupidest thing. Let me say it like this. That shouldn't be hard for you. When we come to people who are broken, who are hurting in their worst, darkest places, and we basically tell them that shouldn't be hard. It actually just, it pushes them even further into this place of, yeah, you're right. This is so stupid. Why is this so hard? I'm even more terrible than I, than I thought. In parenting, I'm learning that with my kids, which is challenging, is to be empathetic. How many of you know your kids can be really petty? And they can get mad about things that's, that really don't matter. But guess what? When they're crying, it matters to them. And for too long, we think tough love is saying, you shouldn't be crying. 
That shouldn't be hard. It's just a TV show. It's just the window in the car. It's just this, you can't have the mac and cheese. It, this is ridiculous. Stop crying. Instead of saying, hey, I'm sorry. You know what this looks like? We're learning. Thank God for really good books and really good parents that are way better than us that we can learn from. It looks like, it looks like when my kid, when Elena is crying about something that is ridiculous, and well, he took the pin from me, and there's a thousand more pins, Right? but they just want that one pin. Just because they're siblings, they just wanna fight, I guess. But she'll be crying. I don't tell her, well, just get over it. There's a million more pins. I say, Elena, you really want that pin, don't you? Yes, you really like that pin. Yes, I do. Does that make you sad? Yes. I'm sorry. It's that simple. You notice I didn't say, well, you can have the pin, go get it. Being empathetic and compassionate doesn't mean just giving people what they want. It just means at least validating and standing in them, standing with them in their, their, their place of hurting. Right? I don't tell my kids, you shouldn't be crying. Just get over it. What you're doing is you're teaching, you're teaching people around you that you're not a safe place, and you're teaching people around you not to trust how they feel especially your kids. And when you teach your kids that way, when they grow up, they won't know how to make any decisions for themselves and they'll be very insecure. Right? This is just stuff I'm learning. I wish this was, this is not mine. And so God is calling us in this place of, of learning how to be where people are around. And God hasn't just put empathetic people around you for the, you to pass people off to them, but he's saying, hey, no, no, you need to grow from them. You need to learn from them. And this is something I want all of us to carry, all the men in the room. This idea that you're not supposed to be compassionate is not in the Bible. It's not in there, and I'll show you some. So, uh, one of the first things I want to say that I feel like the Lord was showing me was that Jesus, um, Jesus himself has empathy and compassion on us. Jesus wanted to feel how we feel. He wanted to understand what it was like being like you, right? In Philippians 2, 7 and 8, it says, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form and humbled himself in the obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. God wanted to know and be empathetic. Do you understand he didn't have to come that way? God did not have, God just could have came down as God, just God, not God and man, just revealed himself and said, hey, believe in me, everybody's sins forgiven, let's go to heaven. But instead he said, no, I wanna come down, I wanna take on human form, I wanna know what they feel, I wanna know what it's like to hurt, I wanna experience loss, I wanna experience betrayal, I wanna experience rejection. I wanna experience these things. And for too long, I feel like as a church, we're, we get over spiritual and trying to get out of our humanity when God was actually getting into it. And we're so quick to tell people, just stop. Think better, think different, quicker, faster now. Have faith. Instead of just saying, okay, we can get to that, but right now I'm hurting. <laughs> or I'm struggling. And help doesn't always look like, why is this so hard for you? Help looks like taking people from the hand and by the hand and saying, I'm really sorry, this is hard for you. You're gonna be okay. God's got you. Not, man, this is so stupid that you're crying about this. Does this make sense? So God, I think when we, we get so over-spiritual and we act like we don't have emotions, it's not at all what God was intending for us or is intending for us. 
And I'm not saying be, don't hear what I'm not saying. For some of you that are thinking, well, we're not supposed to listen to our emotions. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have really, we have, we experience loss, rejection, pain, grief, sorrow, disease, sickness, pain in our bodies. I remember listening to David Wilkerson talk about his son and his son had this uh, disease and something that happened to him where he was in pain every day. And he said he would just go out and cry out to God. And he got to a point where he would stop asking God to, 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 to excuse me, to heal him, where he just started asking God, can I just have one second without pain? You know, imagine Jesus on the cross. He's, he's in agony. You know, he is a human, right? He's a man. He's not up there just not feeling pain. He's feeling everything. Imagine saying, hey, Jesus, this shouldn't be hard for you. God wants to be invited into our brokenness. He wants to be invited into our tears. He wants to be invited into the, our trauma. He wants to be invited into the things in your pain. And what if some of you are sick right now in this room, some of you are in pain right now in this room, and God's not saying, where's your faith? He's saying, I'm sorry. I understand. I understand. Man. In, uh, in, in Psalm 71, I believe it says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fires, they will not consume you. He was saying, listen, there's gonna be times where you're in a rough place, but you're gonna invite me into that place. and I'm gonna sustain you. And you're gonna keep going and you're gonna keep pushing forward because I'm with you. And we just, we just need to learn as a church how to walk with people and hold their hand and take them up. But help them to see like, hey, we care. God cares, we care. You're not just another broken story, right? Waiting to, okay, I'll pray, yeah, I'll pray for you. No. God, give us compassion. Amen? So, uh, Hebrews 4.15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every aspect has been tempted as we without sin. He's able to sympathize with us and we can call on him. So, hmm. 11.54, dear Lord, help us. Hmm. So guys, Jesus had real emotions, right? You know Jesus wasn't walking around never sad, never upset, never angry. You know what his Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. It doesn't say you can't be angry. When Jesus was correcting and rebuking, there's actually a Bible verse that talks about that he flipped tables. Do you think he just smiled Oh, I hate this place. I don't know about you if you've ever flipped a table or been around someone who did it. They didn't do it politely. Right? I don't even know if you can flip a table in a nice, easy way. Period. Ever. If you're going to actually flip it. So Jesus had real emotions. He had real feelings. I want to take you to John chapter 11, verse 17 through 36, the story of Lazarus. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles, and the many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Amen. You see, the body would come and console them and encourage them. 
And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha. So, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. How many of you have been to that place? Why, God, why didn't you respond? Why didn't you answer? But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It actually is the whole gospel in a verse or two. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the gospel, by the way. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming. Now, one of the most amazing verses in all of the Bible, when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house were going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to Jesus, Jesus saw him, or excuse me, she saw him, and when Jesus saw her weeping, check this out, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved. He wasn't, that means he had compassion. It was something deep in his heart to see someone struggling, to see someone having a hard time in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And when he saw, the Bible says, one of the greatest verses in the Bible that shows the the humanity of God, the compassion of God, it says Jesus wept. It doesn't say he teared up. It doesn't say there was a little tear. It says he wept for them. And this is a God who had real emotions, the same God in the Garden of Gethsemane where it says that he sweat blood because he was so much stress in his body. You notice that Jesus didn't just come in and say, hey, guys, why are you so mad? Why are you so broken? Why are you crying? Don't you know that even if he is dead, I'm gonna, people are gonna raise from the dead anyways. Don't you know we're gonna go to heaven one day? No, it says he took the time and he cried with them. He just cried with them. I remember, man, I, was, I saw somebody at the women's conference that I know is just going through a really hard time and I was sitting back there at the, oh, at the, I don't know what it's called, concession stand, the bar, I don't know what it is. It's probably a bar. Yeah, the cafe, that's more Christian. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, well, there's a bar at the youth building? Yes, yes long story short. <laughs> Come and see it. <laughs> and so, anyways, I was sitting there and I just saw this, I know somebody that's going through a really hard time and I was sitting back there just like, man, it's in tears, thinking, gosh, because God's just, let me just say, God's just really been getting a hold of me to say, hey, this might not be natural to you, but it is by my spirit and it is something of Christ and this is something that you need to grow in. It's something that all of us need to grow in, amen? And not just the ladies. And some of you ladies aren't this way, and that's okay. You can grow in this way as well, amen? But what I'm saying is Jesus didn't just jump to the answer and just say, hey, get over it. You shouldn't be upset. He cried with them as well, amen? It reminds me of that song, um, what is this, Son of Suffering? Um, You are the God who weeps, you're the God who bleeds. 
hallelujah to the son of suffering. This is a man we're talking about. Not just a God. One of my favorite quotes is God didn't just come to show us what God could do. He came to show us what we could do by his spirit. Otherwise, it would not be hopeful if we could not yoke up and do what he did. Jesus said, the things I've done, you would do greater things than these. In Romans 12, 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So for the last 39 minutes, I'm gonna do the rest of that half of my message here. Um, so this is a, a story I wanna share, it's personal. Um, so how many of you know, not, not everybody struggles with the same things. When we do our Freedom Conference, we go over topics like shame, rejection, you know, betrayal, or there's a trauma, there's fear, the occult, uh, sexual abuse, there's all kinds of things that maybe have affected you in your life, amen? And how many of you know that those things are different for everybody? The devil lies to all of us, but for some of us, he lies to us specifically. He's crafty, the Bible says. That means that he, he knows how to get to you. He knows what you're struggling with and what's hard for you. And here's the, here's the thing. It might not be hard for me what's hard for you. So me and my wife are a prime example of this. If, if any of us, me or Maddie, were to deal with shame, you probably would think it was me. You know, I've been the drug addict, the drug dealer, the crazy person, right? But shame is not something that I, I personally really, it's not really something I personally deal with. Um, rejection, feeling rejected by people, being scared of having relationships with people because I'm scared they're gonna reject me in the end or they don't really mean, all these different things. It's not something that I can really understand. Uh, and I've, something I've struggled to understand um, in our marriage is how things that are hard for Maddie. And then I started thinking, you know, what are the things that are hard for me? And I haven't realized until this past couple months that I've really struggled with, um, with fear associated with some trauma that I've had in my life, especially in the, in the part of, about going to sleep. And so I don't know if I shared this, but years ago I, I overdosed on drugs and I was in the hospital and man, it was crazy. And I was coming down off drugs for days. Uh, I finally passed out in the hospitals on the uh, the third floor and then I woke up and I was extremely anxious and just out of my mind and they gave me a medication at the hospital that put me out like involuntarily like it, I mean it was just like I, I literally couldn't keep my eyelids open I couldn't move my body and I was just conscious but I was in my bed and I couldn't physically move and it actually was an extremely traumatic experience <laughs> and to this for the last 15 years I, I've I've lived with this fear of going to sleep and not that I would just freak out in the middle of the night and not go to sleep, but I would stay up late. I would just try to pass out. I'd stay on my phone. And I would, I would just do these things that, um, that I was actually, didn't even realize that it, things that would trigger me from trauma that was I'm like, okay, I don't wanna go sleep because sleep wasn't a safe place for me. Sleep was something I couldn't con control, where I couldn't control my dreams and I didn't know how I was gonna feel in the night. And, and I remember, <laughs> golly, over these past couple months, I found myself in the hospital twice, right back in the place of my trauma, right? I went from a, a ministry conference in Chicago, probably having one of the best, most refreshing times in the last five or six years, the next day, COVID. 
And then I started thinking, well, Lord, what is, okay, it's obviously an attack. But I'll tell you what it was. We, we, we get way too over-spiritual sometimes. We think everything's an attack of the enemy. I'm gonna tell you right now, sometimes a God allows things to happen so he can refine you and grow you like you've been asking him to. And he's saying, hey, you're not getting it through the messages. You're not getting it any other way. I don't know, I don't know what else there is for you. <laughs> And there's a, I'm, not, I'm not completely, I know there's Calvinists out there and people that are like, everything's bad or good, everything comes from God. I'm not that person either, but I'm not also the other person that says that God can't do whatever he seems best or fit and use it for his glory. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I would tell God what he can and can't do. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, God sent an evil spirit to Saul to torment him. We gotta reconcile all this, Right? But what was Saul doing? Saul was losing his mind. Saul was in disobedience. Saul was coming against the king of Israel. It's not just because he was doing everything right. I believe God will allow things to happen in our life, and he obviously did. Because here I am in the hospital, and here I am not sleeping all day, walking around with COVID. I don't even want to lay down. I don't like the feeling. I didn't like the feeling, excuse me, of feeling like I was being forced to sleep, so I just stay up all day. How many of you know when you got COVID and it's really bad, you shouldn't stay up all day? <laughs> Turns out. You should go to bed, you should lay down, you should rest. And I remember um, that happened with me and the Lord started to reveal to me this fear that I've struggled with of sleep that came from this trauma. Thank God for some awesome people, Juan and Lisa that came and prayed with me and just really helped me go through this, this healing of like, man, I gotta, I gotta get past this stuff. But how many of you know sometimes to get past some stuff, you gotta get in it. You can't learn patience without getting in a situation. If you want to learn patience, come to my house and try to do Legos with all three of my kids at the same time. If you want to learn, that's the way to learn. But I was sitting there, and I'll try to speed up. Well, we all struggled differently, and I remember I was there. I was like, man, this is ridiculous. I found myself in the hospital. Then I realized there was this fear. Then I got to do some inner healing, got to go back and look at this trauma places and Oh, and I had to repent. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me for not trusting you. I trust you. You're with me. I had this awesome moment of God saying, God, what do you want to give me? He's like, I want to give you faith instead of fear. And it was something that was really beautiful, though, that whole time. And then and I got through that, and then I got brain fog, which I've never had. And for, for someone, I'm telling you, like, I don't even like to take Benadryl because it makes me feel drowsy. I'm like, no, thanks. And then I had brain fog, and, and that was after I got my prayer for freedom. And I still had brain fog for a week. And I'm like, Lord, okay, I got, I got the revelation, I get it, but this is hard. This is still really hard. Can't you just take this away? Can't you just make this go? I know you can. But he's like, no. You're gonna learn how to trust me. And I'm like, okay. So learn how to trust him, walking this out. And then um, less than a month later, I get staph infection. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, what is happening right now, honestly? Then I get a fever again. And all that fear wants to come. The devil wants to come and say, see, you're gonna sit, you're sick, you're gonna die. So irrational, right? <laughs> and then I get, I get staph and I'm like, then I get to the hospitals. They're like, well, if you see red streaks, then it could be getting bad. I see red streaks going down my armpit. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Now I'm in the hospital again. And I get to the hospital and there's a sign up on the wall that talks about staff. And it's basically saying like, you could be fine or you could die. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's comforting. And I start asking the Lord, I'm like, am I actually gonna die right now? Like, you know everything. 
this is really what's happening. And I felt the Lord immediately, even in my brokenness, even in that hard place, he spoke to me. He said, Mike, you're not even halfway done with your life. You know what the enemy said, though? Because I'm 34, because double that would be, what, 68? The enemy immediately said, yeah, you're going to die at 70. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? God, God is, he wants to give, and the enemy's always going to lie to you. He's never going to shut up after the Renew Conference, after your breakthrough, after your freedom, after your marriage gets better. He's always going to be right there to say something crazy to you. But you have to learn how to walk through some stuff with the Lord and be brave. Being brave is doing things afraid. Maddie was reminding me this morning. She said, Mike, you know how to wait on the Lord. And she said, and because of that, Michael, you do trust the Lord. I said, honey, I just do things afraid. She said, because you trust him. So I was in the hospital again, and Maddie's sitting there with me, and Maddie was an angel to me. Amazing. I was sitting there, and, and then I found myself getting an IV again, thinking, I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Lord. Are they about to sedate me again? What is going to happen? You know what I mean? I'm going to relive this really real right now. And I'm sitting there. I'm getting an IV and I'm just breathing, okay, Lord, you're with me, I got this. You got me. The worst that could happen is I'll go to be with you. Can I be real this morning? And I said, Lord, why doesn't that give me comfort? Whew, let's be real, real, right? Norman, love you, buddy. I said, because you know, God is a real God. He doesn't want your Oh, I almost said something bad. He doesn't want your crap. He, he doesn't want your, oh, Lord, I just trust you. I believe you. I'm so blessed. He doesn't want that. He, doesn't, he sees through it anyways. He sees through it all anyways. He wants your, your humanity. He wants your confession. God's like, you're just going to come be with me if you die. I'm like, God, that doesn't really give me that much peace. And I'm like, why doesn't it? <laughs> And then he immediately spoke into it. And Mike, Michael, he said, he said, the, the joy that you'll experience on the other side of life is so inexpressible and exhaustive you can never imagine. And I started thinking, okay, <laughs> you're right. Am I, you know what I'm saying? I remember I was sitting with Stephen Bochamp. We're talking about dying and going to heaven and hell and how that's all going to be and where we're going to be at in the new heavens and new earth. I said, honestly, some of that kind of makes me scared. And he looked at me in the car and he was like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, yes, Stephen, leave me alone. I know you're so much better than me. <laughs> you got so much more faith than I do. Good for you. Uh, God didn't call me to lead people because I had more faith than everyone or because I was better than everyone. It's because I believe he was trying to show that he wanted to teach me a lot of things so I could help impart them to you. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just trying to not learn the hard way. So I'm like, all right, how can I figure this out? Maddie's pregnant. This is a new season. What do I need to learn now? and I'm getting out of this season and I don't want to have to get out of the hospital room. I'm not saying he'll put me there. That's not what I'm saying. I'll tell you what put me there was sickness. <laughs> That's what puts us there. And on this side of heaven, we're going to experience it. And um, so I'm in the room. I'm in the hospital room with Maddie and she's sitting there with me and she's just being incredible. She's being so encouraging. She's holding my hand. She's not letting her fears come out. She was struggling herself as well. But I didn't know that, praise God, because I needed her. 
<laughs> I did not need you falling apart as well. I need somebody with some I needed somebody with some faith in the room. But I didn't need somebody telling me, "Hey, this shouldn't be hard for you, Mike." I was sitting there with that IV and I felt the Lord say, "Mike, imagine Maddie saying to you right now, "Hey, this shouldn't be hard." And he said, "That's what you've been saying to her all these years." And I just wept. I didn't even know what was going to happen with our test. And then they sent me home. They were like, we'll take your blood test. We'll tell you. We'll, we'll get back with you later. Go home. We'll tell you something's wrong. I'm like, what? Anyways, got some good health care. And we have no idea. Go home. Anyways, I'm just, just picking. But the Lord, in that moment, instantly, he showed me that I haven't been empathetic and I haven't been a helper to my spouse. And as the body of Christ, not just as husbands, not just as fathers, not just as moms, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are, we're not called to be the source of all comfort. We're called to comfort one another. God's, and for too long, I would tell my wife, like, you don't need me. You need him. I'm struggling myself. <laughs> but God was like, hey, I'm not, I'm not asking you to be the source, Michael. I'm asking you to be the helper. I was like, dang it. And so it's like, and I'd sit there and I'd weep and I'd cry. So the first time he showed me, Mike, we're going to get rid of this fear. The second time I got sick, he said, I'm going to teach you empathy. I'm going to teach you how to tell people when they're struggling, when they're having a hard time, to learn how to step into that with them and not just say, hey, this shouldn't be hard for you. Just say, hey, I know this is really hard for you and I'm sorry. God's got you. And Maddie would hold my hand and say, God's got you, Michael. You're going to be okay. And I'd say, yeah, you're right. And then I apologized to her for like two weeks, probably. Like literally, like every day almost, she can tell you. It was just like, man, I would just cry because I'd be like, man, I've been such an idiot. I have not been a helper at all. Not even close. You know? So God lies to us, or excuse me, nope, don't, don't quote me there. The devil lies. <laughs> See, he's got to humble me. He's got to humble, keep me humble. The devil lies to us all differently. He says, hey, you're, you're nasty, you're disgusting, you're going to be rejected. Or, or he says, you're not good enough, you're never going to be good enough. Did you know a lot of times uh, perfectionism, perfectionism and you doing everything so well to the T can actually be rooted in you not feeling good enough and actually an insecurity. And so he, he lies to all of us differently. You can't do anything wrong or it proves you're not good enough or you're disgusting, you're nasty, no one's going to love you. It's all different. And we need to learn as the body of Christ to step into people's lives and not just say, that shouldn't be hard. But to say, hey, you know what? I got my own stuff that's really hard for me too. And I'm working through it as well. Here's the good news, right? Lisa and Juan came and prayed for me. We broke through some stuff where I have not, I definitely don't, haven't liked going to sleep during the day. That's not my thing because that reminds me exactly of my trauma. And guess what? As soon as they got done praying, I went to sleep immediately for like three or four hours. You know? That's the beautiful part. There is breakthrough and there's steps and there's growing and there's maturing. It's not just stay where you are and we understand, just stay in that mess and stay in your garbage. And no, 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 we wanna get you out of it. I'm thankful for good friends like Lisa and Juan who came to my house the next morning, called Maddie and said, hey, we're coming over to pray for a pastor even if he doesn't want to, whether he likes it or not. And he's one of our elders, so he can do that. <laughs> And I remember I was so broken. I woke up and I was just like, yes, I know this is, 
This, this needs to break. You know? And then a couple weeks ago, right after that, I found myself going to the dentist to get some dental work. I got to sit there for three hours and they're going to put stuff on my face. And I'm there thinking, I don't like doing any of this. I hate all this. But guess what? I still went. I think we, we got to understand, like I said earlier, bravery is doing things afraid. You still do them with the Lord. Hey, this is hard for me. I'm still going to do it. And I just want to say to a lot of you, this past year, you have done a lot of things that have been really hard for you, but you've still done them. And I just want to celebrate you this morning and cheer you on from this pulpit and from this church that we're, we're with you, that we're rooting you on, we're cheering for you. And we're not just telling you, hey, this shouldn't be hard for you, but we are gonna show you the way to get out of it. And we are gonna walk your hand. We're, we're here to help you and to walk with you and have compassion. And let me just say, we, we can't lose compassion on people who struggle differently than us. Because some people like, I just don't get it. I don't get why people that they're, they're, they're wear that that way. They're, that's just stupid. They just need to get over it. I don't understand that they're drug addicts. I don't understand why they, that's not compassion and that's not Jesus. That's you being a jerk. It just is, right? If you actually are a jerk, you can handle me talking to you that way. It's okay. But he's saying like, hey, I, I don't understand the, the, the person on the side of the road it's broken or whatever. I'm not saying we go and just give them $100 bills, but we gotta have compassion. <laughs> we gotta have the heart of the Father. We have to keep that going. And, and, and sometimes it's a struggle, especially with family members and people in your life who have just hurt you and have been tough towards you and pastors and churches, whatever it is, it's been hard for you. And we understand it's been really hard, but you gotta ask the Lord, Lord, give me compassion. Give me compassion for them still. Don't let me lose compassion and hope for them. Don't let me get to a place where I'm like, oh, that doesn't bother me no more. It doesn't bother you no more because you don't have feelings anymore towards it because you're hardened. Sometimes we're like, oh yeah, oh, that doesn't affect me no more because I, I don't even care about it anymore. No, no, no. It, it's just because you never get emotional about it anymore doesn't mean it. That's just you being walled up usually. I'm not saying it moves you to depression but it still moves your heart to compassion is what God's asking. Does this make sense? So don't lose compassion on people in your families and people who've just been whatever, that struggle differently than you. Keep the heart of the Lord for them. Have empathy towards people and all the broken people that step into our church and into our lives that we'd be able to come up with them and walk with them, be understanding, but also say, hey, there's a better way. There's hope. God's gonna fix this. God can take care of this. God can change this. This is who he is. It's his nature. But make sure we're not saying this shouldn't be difficult. Amen? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, worship team, could you come? He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us be a church that encourages one another. Let us be spouses, husbands, fathers, dads, friends, everybody that we encourage one another in their brokenness and in their hard places. Hey, hey, you got this. You can do this. I'm with you. There's been so many times people have come down to this altar Let's just be real. 
Sometimes it's, it's been easier for me to have compassion on certain people. I, I seem to like certain people more than others. And so do you, okay? It's not just me. But I'm learning. Like, okay, God, do you want me to have compassion on that person that, that, that really annoys me? And I know they're not doing the right things, and I know they don't even want to change or whatever, God, but you're calling me not to lose compassion for them. So help me. Look around the people in my life that I'm struggling with, Lord. Help me. Give me your heart for them. Help me to see them how you see them. This past few weeks, I, I did some more prayer. How many of you know freedom is something you're going to walk in and stay in the rest of your life? Forgiveness is something you're going to have to continue to do the rest of your life. And I was doing some forgiveness work this past week again, and I was asking the Lord, is there anybody that I've let in, any bitterness that come in, I need to forgive. And the Lord showed me a few people. And I, I just, I was with this, this prayer team lady, and she was like, hey, we're gonna make this, this thing of like a, a picture, a prophetic act, if you will. And after, put them at those people in your hand, and one at a time, you're gonna put them in this bag when you're ready to forgive them. Some of you are thinking, well, that's weird. Whatever, I don't care, it is kind of weird. But it helped. And so I put each of them in the bag, one at a time. And she said, all right, now close up that bag and I want you to hand it to Jesus. And now I remember, I could, I, then they tried to go on with the prayer and I just sat there and cried because immediately I felt like Jesus took the bag from me, he opened it up and he grabbed them out of there and he started to love on them. <laughs> oh man. He was like, no, no, like, oh, I have so much compassion. These are my children. These are my family. These are my, these are people made in my image. They are image bearers of God. They're created for my glory. They're created by me. I just sat there and wept like, oh man, Lord, who am I to withhold anything? Can we stand to our feet? Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't give up. Some of you are taking your next steps and walking with Jesus. For some of you, it's a big deal just to show up at a church on a Sunday morning. For some of you, it's a big deal to get into a small group. You're afraid. Some of you, it was a big deal to get into freedom. It was a big deal to get in the baptismal water, but you did it anyways. Come on. Keep going. Keep going. Look at your neighbor and say, keep going. Say, I'm with you. Come on, say it to somebody around you that doesn't have anybody beside them. Say, keep going. Say, we're with you. Mm. Our prayer team, come. Hallelujah. Can we just take a moment? I just want us to just, let's just close our eyes. Let's just receive from the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just break in right now. Come on, the hard places, the hard hearts will be softened. Just put your hand on your heart. Say, be soft in Jesus' name. And say it again. Be soft in Jesus' name. Say this out loud. Give me compassion. Give me empathy. Help me to be like you. Mm.
Just for every eyes closed, I just want to pray for you just for a moment. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. You're so good. You understand. You feel what we've felt, God. You felt what we feel, Lord. And you come in with us, Lord. And you walk with us. And you hold our hand, Lord, in our hurts and our pains and our disappointments and our sickness. Let's feel the Lord. I just want to release over the room. He's just saying, I got you. You're mine. Isaiah 43 says, the one who formed you, the one who created you, he has called you by name. And he says, you are mine. Hmm. It's going to be, we're going to have a, quite the altar call here in a moment for a lot of different things if you need to respond to this morning but I just want to make space for just a moment if there's anybody in this room that maybe you're saying listen I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all I've never been saved I've never given my life to him like we read earlier uh, if you believe in this, this resurrection that Jesus came, he died for your sins on the cross, that you were, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that everybody needs a savior, not just drug addicts, not just whatever, but everybody needs Jesus. If that's you that can say, I believe he died for me, I believe he rose from the grave, and I wanna give him my life today. I wanna surrender all to him. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? I just wanna have a moment for anyone in this room who needs to be born again. I need to give my life to Jesus. Anyone at all? Can you just raise your hand right where you are? We'll wait just a moment. The Lord is calling you into his family. Anybody at all just want to give just one more second? Do you need to give your life to Jesus? If that's you, just raise your hand. Awesome. I pray everyone's born again in this room, amen? Maybe you're a little nervous to raise your hand. Please come down to the front. We wanna pray with you to receive Jesus. So a few things. We really feel like um, um, the Lord's doing it. This whole, this whole weight on you, I feel like some of you are waiting on God to do something. You're waiting on the Lord for your next steps. If that's you, I want you to make your way down to the altar. If you want somebody to pray for you, we're gonna get back into this song before we go. But if you just need to respond to that, you can respond now. And man, I'm waiting on the Lord this morning. I'm waiting for God to do something. Just need to wait on Him. If that's you at all, I want you to come now. Look at your neighbor and say, is that you? And say, I'll come with you. And then a few more words of knowledge from our, our prayer team, things we believe the Lord wants to heal and touch this morning. Um, so uh, progressive or frequent headaches and pain in the ribs, if that's you, would you come? We'd love to pray with you. Um, for softened hearts. Maybe you're just like, man, my heart is really hard towards a lot of people and I just need help to soften that this morning. If that's you, would you come? Uh, if you've been having problems swallowing and need help, um, would you come down for prayer? If you have sight that needs to be healed, your eyes, you have bad eyesight, maybe you're even blind, believing God wants to heal you today. Uh, someone who's even been doubting the existence of God, completely you're like does, is this even real if that's you I want you to come I believe God wants to encounter you today and the last but not least there's throat cancer anybody who has throat cancer 
in the larynx. I think that's how you say that. If that's you, we believe God wants to touch you this morning. And hey, even if it was not on the list, if you just need prayer for anything at all, if you need to give your life to Jesus, our altars are open. If you want to wait, they're going to go back to the song. If you want to stick around and praise and worship, you're more than welcome to. But do me one favor last time. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor, are any of those things you? Do you need prayer? Say, I'll go with you. Father, bless your people. Bless their families. Help us to have a heart of compassion on everyone around us. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning, church? Awesome. Bless you guys. Have an awesome day. The altars are open. You're welcome to stick around. You might want to go get your kids first, though. Bless you.